Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practicology Podcast, where we want to help you bridge the gap between the living ancient scriptures and everyday life, because the Bible belongs not only beside the stack of commentaries, but also next to the pile of dirty dishes. Its truth is for everyday living in our journey as disciples of Christ. My name is Matthew Kane, and I am joined today by a guest host, our first time with a guest from across the pond, or for our listeners in the UK and Ireland, a guest from your side of the pond, and that is David Williamson from Belfast. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be with you. I really do appreciate the invitation to talk uh, a little with you today. All right. Well, perhaps before we start, David, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you are involved in for the Lord. Okay, well, I am husband to uh, Jenny. Uh, I'm a dad to a couple of children, Anna and uh, Caleb. And uh, over here, I, I serve the Lord with a mix of evangelism and Bible teaching, mainly in Northern Ireland and across the UK, although I'm uh, sometimes elsewhere, just as the Lord uh, opens opportunities for that. Uh, my work at home here in Belfast involves uh, some pioneering work into large housing estates in the, the Belfast area. And I work in that along with uh, a partner in the work, Paul McCauley. Uh, I suppose it's this work uh, along with uh, Bible study that's made me think uh, long and hard about the, the question we want to speak about today. Right. So in your work, you're preaching the gospel. You're talking with people about the Lord. That sounds to me like a ministry of discipling others. And you're going to talk to us today about discipleship. Is there anything particular in your work for the Lord that has led you to examine this subject of discipleship more deeply of late? Yes. Well, I, I think, uh, Matthew, that in, in many places there's there's a, a, a little blind spot among Christians about Discipleship, certainly seeing the Lord saving souls is wonderful, but uh, from a, a scriptural point of view, it does seem clear that, that preaching the gospel is uh, far from the end of our responsibility to people. Uh, and so recently, uh, just reading through the, the Great Commission and passages like that have encouraged me to think a little more deeply uh, about the subject. And uh, what I'd like to do is maybe just read the, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, I'll read it here from the, the English Standard Version and uh, we'll read from verse 18 down to verse 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I think that what's really important to notice there is, is that the Lord's disciples were instructed to make disciples. So they're not simply to make converts, that is, preach the gospel and see souls saved. They were to make disciples. And this involves the idea of, of training and uh, discipline and instruction. A disciple is a learner. We could call a disciple a pupil. This is someone who is being mentored uh, and who is constantly growing in order that they might in turn mentor others. Yeah, good. That's a valuable distinction between the term convert and disciples. And you've defined that disciple as a learner. Very helpful. So the commission's clear. We're to make disciples 
are these scriptures telling us uh, exactly how we are to go about that? Yes, well, I think the, the commission does give uh, instruction on that. Uh, we, are, we are to make disciples, and that involves going uh, and baptizing and teaching. Uh, so we, we, we go with the gospel, we baptize the, the converts, but we mustn't forget the importance of the next words of the Lord. He, he said to his own disciples that they were to teach others to observe all that he commanded them. Now, that would obviously lead these disciples and should lead us to think back over how the Lord had discipled his own disciples at the beginning. Uh, I think there are very vital general principles left for us to draw from the Lord's training of the 12. I suspect you've got a few principles ready at hand to share with us. So what have you got in mind today? Okay, well, uh, of late, I've been uh, reading through the, the Gospel of Mark. I've been enjoying that. And I've been impressed with the way that Mark structures a section of his Gospel around three occasions that uh, the Lord calls his disciples to himself. And uh, these three occasions are recorded in chapter 1, in, in chapter 3, and in chapter 6. And on each time that the Lord calls the disciples to himself, uh, there is a, a different emphasis to the call. And uh, the disciples are instructed in a particular aspect of discipleship immediately following his call of them. Uh, and I suppose what really impressed me was that on each occasion, the, the core lesson refers to the relationship of the disciple with the Lord Jesus. Uh, so in chapter one, the Lord calls his disciples to follow him. That is, he places himself before his disciples. He is in front of them and they are to follow him. And then in chapter three, he calls his disciples into a, a fellowship with him and he places himself beside his disciples. And then in chapter six, he, he seems to send forth his disciples into the, the fight, into the spiritual warfare. And he has their back. He's, he is behind his disciples. And uh, so I, I Suppose that the biggest lesson of all in discipleship, and it's a lesson really that applies, I think, to all of Christian living, is uh, to place priority upon our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, I remember some time ago uh, seeing this when I was reading in, in the book of the Acts in chapter 11, and I came down to verse number 23 in that chapter, uh, Barnabas is visiting a group of new believers in Antioch. And his first message to that group of new believers was that he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Or as the, the King James Version puts it, he, he exhorted them to cleave to the Lord. Uh, before they had an intensive course in doctrine, they had to learn that they were responsible primarily to keep close to the Lord. That's great. Uh, I love that passage in Acts 11. And you're right, David, it's absolutely vital. And the reminder to keep close to the Lord is never out of place. Uh, I mean, my I guess this is what we need to be reminded of and keep learning sometimes how our relationship with the Lord 
is more important than the work I'm doing for the Lord, my love for the Lord greater than my work for the Lord. If I'm trying to do the work and there's not the love that is motivating that work, then I'm not really doing the work properly. So you're emphasizing this following the Lord relationship with the Lord. That's that's key. That's helpful uh, in Mark 1. Expand just a little bit more, though, on what it looks like to follow the Lord. Okay, well, the, the call takes place in Mark chapter 1, as you've mentioned, uh, from verse 16 down to verse 20. And uh, we'll read down that, that passage just to remind ourselves of it. We read there, uh, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, that's the Lord Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hard servants and followed him. Now, uh, you can see here that the Lord calls his disciples, as we have mentioned, to follow him. And it says that they left their nets and followed him. Or in the case of James and John, they left their father in the boat with the hard servants and followed him. Now, some people have looked at that passage and thought that this kind of discipleship is just for missionaries, you know, leaving full-time employment, leaving home, leaving family, going to some remote part of the world with the gospel. But I think that that's a very restricted way of considering this section. Uh, the Lord called the disciples to, to follow him. And on that occasion, he, he was physically here. Uh, and so in order to follow him, well, they had to physically move. They had to leave their work and family physically in order to do so. Now, of course, the Lord is not physically moving in front of us presently. So how is it that we follow him? Well, to get to the answer of, of that question, I, I think we really need to see what was motivating the disciples here. What was the underlying reasons why the disciples left everything and followed the Lord? I, I think that's the, the, the key question. And it seems that there is one compelling reason. Simon and Andrew and James and John, they left their boats and their nets and their business and their family because they recognized the Lord as having supreme authority over their lives. Uh, whatever legitimate claim business had uh, or family had, they recognized that there was an even higher claim, and that was the claim of the Lord Jesus Christ upon them. Uh, and so in their obedience, they were saying, this man, Jesus, he has instructed us and we accept and acknowledge his authority, and so we obey promptly, whatever the cost might be. So to, to answer the question about what it means to follow the Lord, foundationally, it, it, it seems to mean to acknowledge the Lord's absolute authority in every sphere of life. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, I think Sam Albury from England, a brother, an Anglican brother, 
talks about the cost of discipleship from this passage and points out there there is a difference between being a fan and a follower of Jesus, a difference between being just a fan and a true follower. And the follower recognizes that Jesus asks for nothing less than to become first in everything in my life. That's recognizing authority, that he's first, he's before everything else. But just tease that out a little bit further for us. How do we do that practically? And, and what? how does that relate to us today? How do I put Jesus before everything else? How do I recognize his authority? Yeah, uh, I, I think it was John Newton who said that the, the soul of religion is the practical part. And uh, that, that's really the vital issue. And I think there's one way uh, supremely for us to acknowledge the Lord's authority, and that is to obey his word. Uh, this is how we follow the Lord. We, we obey his word. There can't be any true discipleship if we fail to recognize the authority of the word of the Lord. And of course, his word, because it is his word, has authority in every sphere. So we, we must acknowledge that God's word instructs us for every area of life and it has the final word. So uh, if I want to be a true disciple of the Lord, the, the very first step is to acknowledge the, the Lord's authority by determining to submit to, to, to obey his word and to recognize that he has uh, authority in respect of every area of life. Very good. Okay, so recognizing his authority is going to be obeying his word. That's part of following the Lord. What's another lesson you've got for us on these early followers of Christ? Okay, well, this this first call to the discipleship was, as we've we've noted, to to, to follow. But when the disciples followed the Lord, uh, they didn't just own his uh, authority uh, in a private sense. They they did so publicly. Now, what I mean by that is that they were from that point associated with the Lord. I mean, look, for example, at Mark chapter 2. Uh, there from verse 13 down, we have a number of challenges raised by, by different groups of people uh, against the Lord. But what you notice as you read down that section is how closely linked the disciples were with the Lord. I mean, look, look at verse 16, for example. Uh, and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now notice, they ask the disciples about the Lord. And then we come down to verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and people came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? but your disciples do not fast. What they're doing there is they're asking the Lord about the disciples. So, so that sometimes the, the disciples are approached about the actions of the Lord Jesus, and sometimes the Lord Jesus is approached about the actions of the disciples. So in the eyes of the Pharisees and in the eyes of everyone else, the disciples, for better or for worse, are, are linked with Jesus and uh, they wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, when they responded to the call of the Lord to follow him, they acknowledged his authority by obeying and they willingly associated themselves with him. So they're following the Lord. They are 
with the Lord. That means that people knew that they were his disciples, right? Yeah, um, it, it, it's simple, really. You know, we, we identify with the Lord publicly when we are baptized, but we can do that in our own sphere, you know, just, just among Christians and then go back into the world of, of work or, or, or school and, and hide our association with the Lord. Now, that, that's not being a disciple. Uh, while we might be baptized, we're really just living then an unbaptized kind of life. See, we are to live out our association with the Lord so that people know we are his followers. So uh, if I want to grow as a disciple of the Lord, I must acknowledge his authority and I must be willing to identify publicly with him in practical everyday life. My, my, my friends, my, my family members, my neighbours, my work colleagues, my, my classmates, they should know that I'm a follower of the Lord. That's great. And I would add to, uh, you know, identifying with the Lord is also going to involve some identification with his people. We're with the Lord, we're with his people. So following the Lord, we're obeying his word, we're associating ourselves with him and, and corporately with his people. Anything else to share with us on this one? Well, I, I suppose maybe more just to summarize uh, what I have been been saying as clearly uh, as I can here. I, I suppose an important lesson that I want to communicate is, is that we can we can follow the Lord every bit as truly as those early disciples did. Uh, we may not be required to move geographically and uh, we won't, of course, be near to the Lord physically. But but cutting underneath the, the, the physical and the, the geographical, we see that just as they obey, so can we. Uh, and just as they identified with him, so can we. And this really is the call from the Lord Jesus to every one of us. Yeah, thanks, David. That is important. You're right. This isn't just something for these disciples who had the Lord Jesus with them in their midst. This is for us today. And I think you've probably got a couple other sessions of material. This is really just introductory. So you're going to come back with this a couple other times, I think, to tell us a little bit more about Christian discipleship, aren't you? Yes, look forward to that, Matthew. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, David. And thank you all to our listeners. We are happy to have you with us being a little part of our lives as we help to make the Bible part of yours. And we pray that this will be a little help to you in your Christian discipleship and in discipling others. And we hope you'll join us for part two and probably a part three coming up in the near future. Have a great day, everyone. May the Lord bless you all.